I want you to turn with me, if you haven't already, to Matthew chapter 5, verses 10, 11, and 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you. Some translations said revile you, persecute you, and falsely accuse you of all kinds of evil against you because of me. Underline that, because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who came before you. This particular beatitude, this top of the top, has double portion of blessings associated with it. Double portion. This double portion of blessings are only given for a life that is motivated and propelled by righteous living. This double portion of blessing is only for those who seek a deeper walk with Christ. This double portion of blessings is only for those who have dispensed with low living, who have dispensed with shallow spiritual experiences, for those who have chosen the narrow way, not the broad highway. It is for those who seek the glory of Jesus above everything else in life. And that is why the Apostle Paul says in Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, all, can you say all? All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. He say, maybe, possibly, will be persecuted. I'm going to explain all this. Here's something I don't want you to forget. When you embrace righteousness and righteous living, you don't have to be confrontational. Why? Because righteousness itself is confrontational. Because righteousness, by its very nature, is in conflict with wickedness. Let me illustrate this. We have absolutely no records or any indication that Abel was trying to evangelize his wicked brother Cain. Look at the Scripture. Try to find. There is no inkling whatsoever that Abel was trying to Bible bash his disobedient brother Cain. But Abel's righteousness stood in such contrast to Cain's rebellion. Abel's righteousness was a rebuke to Cain's wickedness. Abel's righteousness was a sharp reproof to his brother's disobedience. And that is what he finally, in anger, he killed his brother. Himirat, please. You don't have to go looking for persecution. <laughs> persecution will find you if you live righteously. And by the same token, there is an easy way to avoid persecution altogether. I'm going to give you both sides of, and you can, it's your choice. <laughs> there is an easy way. I know that experientially. There's an easy way to avoid persecution altogether. All you need to do is just go with the flow. All you need to do is just live and let live. 
and you'll avoid it altogether. All you need to do is mimic the world. Just repeat what they say. All you need to do is adopt the world's standards and live by them. All you need to do, never express discomfort toward the world's immorality. All you need to do, never stand for biblical marriage. Never stand for the right of the unborn. And you'll never be persecuted. Keep your mouth shut about Jesus, and you'll never experience persecution. Or keep your mouth shut and just nod in agreement (laughs) with those who say, oh, what we need to live by our feelings. Just nod. You'll avoid persecution. Or even express discomfort when they mock and laugh our biblical standards. Now, beloved, the root meaning of the word righteousness, not the root meaning, not the meaning of the word, but the root meaning of the word is to divide, is to divide. Be different. (laughs) Be distinguished. Listen, the world system hates different. It just hates it. The world system loves conformity, and that is why they will call you names in order to shame you of your righteous living. Here's a fact. Jesus was persecuted because of His blazing righteousness. Jesus was persecuted because He did not fit into their mold. Jesus was persecuted because He would not conform to their image of Him. Jesus was persecuted because He was not only that truth, the whole truth, but He spoke the truth, He lived the truth, and He was finally died for the truth. Listen to what He said in John 15, 19. If you were of the world, the world loves its own. But because you're not of the world, therefore, the world hates you. So don't be surprised. The thing that blows my mind is you say, happy, blessed are the persecuted. (laughs) Now, just before I go any further at this point, I want to make one statement. From my experience, there is a difference between persecuted for righteousness and being persecuted for being an objectionable jerk. (laughs) You know, back in the 80s, I really had a rude awakening. It really was the first time in my adult life I experienced this rude awakening about the question of tolerance. It's a beautiful word. I mean, I just love the word. It's, It's fine. And the institution in which I was involved. I'm going to give you the bottom line. I'm not going to drag it. I found out that by tolerance they mean that those who are Bible-believing Christians are just supposed to shut up. That's really what tolerance means. It means that Bible-believing Christians must accept the sin that they have accepted as the norm, and they must accept the heretical teaching that they're teaching. That's really what tolerance was. It means that Bible-believing Christians should be good boys and girls and keep their mouth shut. Even if you open your mouth politely, they will insult you. They will call you names. Now, by the way, the word insult here 
means to speak in such a way as to injure a person's feeling in such a way that to hurt that person and hurt his pride or her pride. Why? Why do they do this? Why, why do they call us names? One main reason is to rouse anger in you. They really do. They want to make you angry. <laughs> and if they make you angry, they've won. Because your anger makes the devil say, Ah, look. Look what I've done. I made him mad. I made her mad. Back then, I can truly tell you, and I have witnesses for that, that every time I spoke the truth, I spoke with a smile. Because I knew that the very heart of their hatred and persecution was directed toward the Lord. Not toward me. Listen, I was getting the Lord's mail. I was getting somebody else's mail. I was getting His mail. You see, never, never, never take persecution or insult personally. You say, well, how can I do this? Well, if you just think about what Jesus said. The reason they do this is because they hate me. And I told you in the last message, when the resurrected Jesus appeared to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, he did not say, why are you persecuting the church? He said, why are you persecuting me? Because they're persecuting Jesus. That will give you a lot of peace. In fact, in my case, the opposite was true. It was their faces that changed color. The jugular veins popped up, and the demeanor turned around 180 degrees. Their eyes narrowed, and they could have sent sparkling signals of their anger. Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, major part of this kingdom of heaven, of course, is heaven itself. I'm going to say some more about it in a minute. That's the major part. But there is another part that people miss about heaven or the kingdom of heaven. And that is the righteous living person is able to reign and rule over their own life. You see, we're going to reign and rule with Christ for all of eternity, but part of the kingdom of heaven is when you're able to reign and rule your own life in the midst of persecution, in the midst of insult, in the midst of name-calling. You're in control, and you know that the hated your Lord, and therefore they hate you. Did you know that every one of Jesus' disciples, except one, that's John, every one of them was not only persecuted, (laughs) but they're condemned to death. James, the brother of John, he was beheaded in A.D. 36. Thomas, in other languages, Thomas, from which you get the church of Martoma in India, which has been there for 2,000 years, where Thomas went and evangelized, founded the church of Martoma. He was beheaded in India. Simon, the brother of Jude, was crucified in Egypt during the reign of Theresian. Simeon, the zealot, was crucified in Mauritania. Mark, the first bishop of Alexandria, was burned to death in Egypt. Bartholomew was beaten and beheaded in Armenia. <laughs> Andrew, the brother of Peter, was crucified in A.D. 80 
by Governor Aegean and burned in Achaia. Philip was stoned in Phrygia. James, the brother of our Lord Jesus, was thrown from the pinnacle of the temple, and when that did not kill him, they beat his head with big sticks until they killed him. And that's to say nothing of Peter, who when they tried to crucify him, he said, no, I don't deserve this privilege of being crucified like my Lord and Master. Crucify me upside down. Question, what suffering are you experiencing for righteousness? Let me repeat this. What suffering are you experiencing for righteousness? Every day at Leading the Way, every day, we are hearing of Christians being tortured and being deprived of food and sleep and ultimately beheaded simply because they would not deny their faith in their only Savior and Master, the Lord Jesus Christ. The second blessing of this double blessing that Jesus bestowed upon those who suffer for the sake of righteousness is that they will inherit heaven. They will reign and rule with Christ. Blessed are you when they revile you or insult you, speak all sorts of evil and false accusations against you. Ah, for my name's sake. The Bible-believing Christians today are called all sorts of names. We, the most loving people, we're called all sorts of names. We call bigots, we call extremists, we call Islamophobe, homophobe, intolerant, unloving. And when I say phobe, I say, let me tell you something. I've never been a phobe of anything. This is a partial list. Don't ever forget they did this to Jesus. They falsely accuse him. In Matthew eleven nineteen, they called Jesus. Now, just think about this. Jesus, the pure, sinless Son of God. They called him a glutton and a drunkard. And oh yeah, he's a friend of those people, (laughs) the tax collectors. If they falsely accuse the perfect Son of God, why are we surprised that they falsely accuse us? When you are slandered for your biblical conviction, Jesus is saying, count on me. Look up to me. Leave it with me. Take time to pray for them. Pray for them. And if you have never done that, you need to do that. And this is how we're going to have victory. Peter, who learned from his master, the Lord Jesus Christ, in 1 Peter 4.13, all the way to 19, he tells us, far from defending yourself, consider yourself privileged when you suffer for righteousness. In other words, he's saying, when you are hated, when you are maligned, when you are afflicted, remember their animosity not toward you, but toward the Lord. Please don't ever forget this. Satan's number one enemy is Christ. Did you get that? Because he got his teeth knocked out on the cross, so he can't reach Christ. So what does he do? He takes it out on Christ's followers. He takes it on the faithful children of the living God. So he opposes them everywhere, everywhere he can find an opportunity. In Matthew 
5.12, the last verse in this passage that we're going through right now, the Lord says we should inwardly be glad when that happens. Now, don't miss this. The phrase, be exceedingly glad, is not a recommendation. Oh, please be exceedingly glad. No, no, no. Actually, in the Greek, it's in the imperative mood. In other words, it's a loving command from the Lord Jesus. It's a loving command. Be exceedingly glad. You and I know that the world can take a lot of things from us. They can even take our possessions. But the one thing they cannot take from us is the joy of the Lord. Jesus tells us that there are two reasons for rejoicing and being glad when you're persecuted for righteousness. First, because your reward is great. Oh, it will be a great reward. It's a great reward in two ways, by the way. It's far greater the reward than those who just sat in the pews of salvation all of their life. They sat on their blessed assurance, did nothing for God, sacrificed nothing, gave nothing, done nothing. But it's also going to be far greater than anything that you have sacrificed or lost in this life. There is no comparison. One in a million, one in a trillion in terms of comparison. The reward also is going to go on forever and ever and ever and ever, and not just for a few years. You know, this life is going to end for all of us. And that's why Jesus told us again and again and again and again, do not store up treasures for yourselves here on earth where you're going to leave it anyway, but send it on ahead where it will be waiting for you on the other side and will last for all of eternity. Send it on where you will be spending eternity. Don't accumulate here on earth where your descendants are probably going to blow it away anyway. <laughs> Send it on where the dividends is incalculable. Question, should the believer be looking for his reward? Should the believer be faithful in serving and doing and giving so that they receive the reward? Is it wrong to be expecting your reward in heaven and read my lips? Absolutely not. Jesus did. In fact, Hebrews 12, 2 says, because of the joy set before him, was that? The resurrection and the ascension and the glorification. Because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising shame. Hear me right. It's neither selfish nor unspiritual to look forward to your reward, to work for that reward. The Apostle Paul said, I've fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race. Now I'm looking forward to my crown of righteousness. And by the way, it's not only me, everyone who loves his appearing. The second reason for rejoicing when you suffer for righteousness is because you're in good company. You're in good company. How do you like him? somebody call you a prophet? And when you suffer for righteousness, you just like the old prophets of old, the great men and women of the past. Here's a fact. Regardless of how much we suffer for righteousness, it can never be, it can never be like those who are boiled in boiling oil 
those who dipped in tar and were lit up as a torch to lighten the evening sky, or been put in sheep's skin, covered with sheep's skin, and thrown into wild animals. All for the sake of Christ. All for the sake of Christ. Oh, there was an easy way for them to escape it. All they could do is just compromise a little bit. Not much, but just a little bit. All they could have done is just tell a, a, a little white lie. You know the white lies? Yeah, people always talk about white lies. There's no white and black. This is a lie. <laughs> just a little white lie. They would have just said, yes, Caesar is Lord. Yes, Caesar is Lord. And they could have said this with their mouths, but not believe it with their hearts. And they get away with it. But to them, earthly life was not their primary motivation. Heaven was. The reason I named the series Happiness is in You because every believer has Christ on the inside of them. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And because Christ is the source of happiness. And that is why it's in you. You don't have to look for it anywhere else. Christ is in you. And He is the source of all happiness, all blessings, all joy in the midst of difficulties. All you need to do now is to appropriate this happiness that's within you. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.